In today's podcast, I'm going to re-air an episode that my wife and I recorded on the topic of suicide. This dates back to when comedian and actor Robin Williams took his life and was in the news. And with the recent public suicides that have been in the news, I thought it was timely to put it back up to make the information available. This particular episode involves my wife, who is a licensed professional counselor, and she's going to give some clinical information and come from that standpoint as well. So thank you for joining us. Let's get into it. Hey everybody, this is Dave Denuzzo, and you are listening to the True Manhood Podcast, real talk about authentic masculinity. True Manhood Podcast is a Catholic podcast brought to you by True Manhood Men's Ministry, where we work to fight the evils of pornography and the culture's ideas about manliness, while teaching virtue, striving to emulate Jesus. Blessed be Jesus Christ, true God, and true man. important topic in today's show. Excited to bring this this information and to, to get this, this topic on the open and, and just be willing to talk about it. And considering the recent news, I think it's very timely. And it is my hope and my prayer that this benefits many people. We know that there are, there are just a lot of people who, who struggle. And we don't know, until someone tells us, we don't know exactly what they're going through. We don't know what they're concerned with or what struggles they have. As I said, very, very, uh, a very important topic. I'm very excited to bring this to you. It's a sad topic and, and, and sometimes seen as sad. We're going to try to do our best to, to, make, it, to make it positive. This, this whole show is going to be based around the recent news and therefore the, the continued discussion on the topic of suicide and some mental illness Um, mostly surrounding the recent death of comedian and actor Robin Williams. And if you are connected to the media in any way, whether you watch television, listen to the radio, it's been in print and certainly all over the internet and social media, the death of Robin Williams came as a shock to many people. It It has had an incredible impact on the way people talk. And it's been bringing out, at least in my experience, it's been bringing out a lot of emotion from folks that have a personal connection to the topic of suicide. It's extremely difficult for people to separate their personal involvement, their emotion to those people in their lives that they knew personally, the things that have affected them personally. I think it's been, it's very difficult to separate those things. And so we're not going to get into the details of Robin Williams' suicide. We're not going to get into the sentiment that we might read on blogs or see on social media. What we want to talk about in this show, some of the signs, some of the statistics, what's actually taking place, and to give hopefully some some help to those who may be experiencing the thoughts are considering suicide. Also those who live or work with those who may have the signs of suicidal tendencies. And I keep saying we because I'm joined here in this show by my wife, Catherine. And Catherine is a licensed professional counselor. 
I just thought it would be great to, to bring her on. And the, the station asked us to do this show based on the mental illness side of things. And why I think it's so important that my wife, Catherine, is here with me is because not only is she a clinician, a therapist who uses counseling techniques, she does it all from a Catholic perspective and she does not separate the two. We are both very firm in this belief that we cannot separate the person from their soul. Uh, the body and soul are connected and therefore the mental status of a person and their soul are so intertwined and connected. And that is why in her practice, which is all digital and all, so it's all on the internet. Uh, she sees clients not only all over the country, but all over the world. She works with so many clients on the topic of anxiety, which is often related to depression and which is often related to suicide. Catherine, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me here today. And I want to go ahead and start by saying that I come to our listeners today and to you, Dave, as not just a clinician, not just as a Catholic, but as a survivor of suicide. And so often when we hear a survivor of suicide, we think of someone who might have attempted suicide. But in the clinical sense, uh, most of the time a survivor of suicide is someone who has a loved one who has committed suicide. As someone who is a survivor who had someone very dear to me commit suicide and have seen it happen so often, I think it's really important for us to really take this seriously and realize that this isn't just something that happens on the news or it just happens to someone else, that it could have happened to just us. If you've heard my shows before, I'm very passionate about anxiety and depression and how they're kind of taking so much from us and that God wants us to live and he wants us to live in joy and that's kind of my hope in being here with you today. But before we can even start there, I feel that we need to have a disclaimer, which is if you or anybody you know is suicidal, thinking about suicide, talking about suicide, you need to get help and get help right now. You can go to your local emergency room, you can call 911, there's a hotline that's open 24 hours a day, seven days a week at 1-800-SUICIDE. So if you're having these thoughts or you know someone who is, know that there's someone just a phone call away, just a walk into an emergency room, that there is help. There are ears to listen. And that's, I think, yeah, that's great information to have. And it's important for those, those folks who are either listening or around people who are maybe using this language or that have these tendencies or these signs is to know that you are great. You are so great. God created you because he loves you. He didn't have to create you. He wanted to create you. He loves you no matter what is going on in our lives, in your life, no matter what that is, there is help. There is a reason that you are here. It is good. And even when life is hard, Suicide cannot be our response. It's not going to fix anything. It's not going to solve anything. You deserve so much better for yourself and your loved ones. So please seek that help and know that you are good. Know that you are loved. Know that God has a plan for your life. I also wanted to say uh, I've, I've received some information from parents or questions from parents about, and just folks in general, wow, this, this topic of suicides come up. What does the church really say? especially in talking with, with kids, one of the best resources we have as Catholics is the Catechism of the Catholic Church. And it speaks so plainly of what we actually believe that all the answers are there. 
Now, that's a kind of a bold statement to say that all of the answers are contained there. They are. There's, uh, there's really no way around that. The catechism comes from the magisterium, which is the teaching arm of the church, which is guided by the Holy Spirit, which was the gift that we received starting at Pentecost as a church, and also based off of sacred scripture. So you'll see when you open the catechism, there are, there are scripture references throughout the entire, the entire writing. So if you're looking in the catechism, you can turn to paragraph. Now no, notice there in the, in the catechism, there are uh, a lot of numbers on the pages, especially in the new editions. We're not turning to a page number. We're turning to a paragraph number. And there's a section on suicide starting at paragraph 2280 through 2283. And it speaks very, very plainly about suicide. It talks in there about life how we are to preserve and perpetuate life, each of us, and that it's contrary to love, love of self, to take life, whether that be ours or someone else's. So go to the catechism. If you're trying to teach your kids, open that up. Get some discussion about it and say, hey, I wonder what the kids at school are, are saying or going to be saying. I wonder what our neighbors or our family, or, you know, extended family are going to be saying. Let's have an, a response as Catholics to what we actually believe. And Dave, I think it's great that you brought up talking to your kids. I decided to go and find some hard statistics, some facts for Kansas, for our community. And in 2013, Kansas did a youth behavior survey that went out to a bunch of high schoolers. And in that survey, 19% of 15-year-olds and youngers had considered suicide in the last month, 12 months. More concerning to me as a counselor is that 12.5% of them said that they had a plan on how they do it. We as parents spend a lot of time, and myself as a wife and as a mother and a sister and a daughter and all of those different people in our lives, we spend so much time worrying about car accidents. We worry about violence. We worry about cancer and different illnesses. And we spend so much time preparing our kids, you know, cross the street, look both ways, Wear your seatbelt. Don't drink and drive. But according to the Kansas Annual Summary of Vital Statistics, so how people are living and dying, causes of death from age 15 to 44, suicide was the second leading cause of death. Wow. That's a lot. And I think that we need to really realize that this isn't something that's just on Facebook. This isn't something that's just someone else, that it's happening in our community, and we've got to take it seriously. Another statistic that I found really interesting was that men were five times as likely in Kansas to commit suicide than women. That is a staggering statistic for me that so many of our men are um, choosing that path for themselves. And I feel that very blessed that we get to be here today to talk about that and to help people see that there's help available. Well, yeah, these these numbers are really sobering, especially to think that almost one out of five kids 15 and younger have contemplated suicide in the last year and that a bunch of them have plans of how they do it. Like they've given it enough thought to say, I'm not worth enough and this is how I do it. And so I think they're one one experience away possibly from one one time of getting bullied or one time of being shunned, one more time of being shunned or or demoralized or felt 
the sense of worthlessness or like they're not good enough. You know, as parents, whether our children are really little or elementary, middle, high, or grown, we have to instill in them personal value. The value, gosh, our culture just lies to us so much about where our value should come from. For men, it's lying to them that this is my uh, my take on what I call cultural manliness, that the, the more power, money, sex, and stuff a man has, the more manly he is, the more power, money, sex, and stuff he has. That's all consumption. It's all about what I'm wearing, what I'm driving, what home I go home to, what job I have, what power I have over people. It's not anything about our intrinsic value. It's not anything about God. It's about self. And that is so empty. And that's my continual message to men. Well, when the men don't get it, the women reap the negative, the negative response of how the men are. And then our kids get it. And they get it from us. If we don't value ourselves, if all the adults in the lives of kids don't value themselves because they're from God and God loves them, at super young ages, 15 and younger, they're going to contemplate not being here, stopping, you know, ceasing to exist. So these are really, really sobering numbers. The fact that the men, you know, in those statistics, they don't really share, you know, with these age groups and even the race, ethnicity, and... Um, the various causes, they don't really share the demographics of male and female. And, and so I don't know why why those specifically in those age groups or in those races or ethnicities, why they're doing it. But so much of it has to go to this this self-worth. And you, you deal a lot with that in your in your counseling. What, what well, thoughts do you have? It's interesting. I just have to say that you can hear the passion in Dave's voice. I want to explain that passion in a way. If you've never met this man, he has a passion for life, a passion for all that he does. When it comes to things like this and people not seeing that value of who they are, you can just see the hurt and the concern he has for everyone. And I, I just think that that's an amazing uh, attribute. So when you hear that passion, I think it's a passion that is about God's love and how much he as a man values each and every one of us and all the people here. When I try to make it not lip service, I think so often it comes across as like, yeah, right, this guy's full of malarkey. He can't possibly care about me that much. But, you know, especially in my work with, with folks who are addicted to, consumed by pornography, and the men, you know, just trying to help them out of that place, or whether they're, they're angry, rageaholics like I was, or just struggling with the faith like I did for so long, or whatever, the, whatever it may be. I really do care about those people and I really want, I just make my life's work about trying to help them, trying to help them out of that place or prevent people from going there. And when we're talking about our kids, I look at my children as my, my children, but I look at our communities and just the, the general welfare of all children as my responsibility. And I think all of us in good care for the common good should, should do that. But yeah, so it is a, it is a passion and, um, Again, we're just here. We want to we want to try to help folks. So, um, yeah, you have some thoughts. So, to answer your question, in my practice, I deal a lot with depression and anxiety, and those are normally very commonly related to thoughts of suicide. And what I always break it down to, if we simmered all the things, because we each have our own unique causes, different things that have happened in our life that are challenges, but if we simmer it all down, it really comes down to: Am I enough? You know, David had talked about value. Where is my value lie? And I like to have this imagery. It always helps me when I have these feelings of just, am I not enough? 
And I imagine, you know, Jesus knew us before we were in our mother's womb. And so I have this image of Jesus there with a, with a sketch pad drawing my life, saying, okay, I'm going to give her these eyes and this body and this husband and these kids and ooh, that little boy, he's going to be a challenge. We're going to give her him. And <laughs> right. We're going to have this. And then this is my picture. All the good, all the bad, all the challenges and all the blessings. And he looks at it and he goes, that's good. That's really good. I like it. And then he creates my soul and he brings me into this world. And so often we take that picture and we go, God, you didn't know what you were doing. Don't you know I needed this or how I could handle that? And we can always imagine how it feels when we create something. You know, God did not bless me with any type of artistic ability, but even my stick figures, when I draw them and I put my effort into them, I think, gosh, this is not pretty. I I put value to it. And God feels the same way about us. He created us. Not just us in our body, but us in our story. If we can look at our story, no matter where we are on the path of it, and see that God created in good, and not only did he create it good, he added the blessings and the graces we need to overcome the hard times. And in those graces, sometimes are the people that are there to help us. Maybe it's not just the spiritual grace, because that comes, but there's also the priests in our lives and the parents in our lives and the kids and our husbands and our best friends and our hunting buddies and those people in our life are also those graces that God gives us to make it through the hard times. So what I see the most in my practice, if if someone's suffering from anxiety, depression, if they have various mental illnesses, you can always kind of boil all the pieces down to, did God create me good? And the answer to that is yes. And from that foundation of yes, we can go into the next steps. Thank you for joining us on the True Manhood Podcast. Please take just a few moments and share this with other men in your lives that they may grow in authentic masculinity with us. I want to draw our attention to some scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Verses 19 and 20, St. Paul's writing this letter to the Corinthians, and he says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? For you have been purchased at a price, therefore glorify God in your body. So the body God gave us, each and every one of us, it's what he wanted us to have. It's how he wanted us to be. We We are good and perfect to him, and we should glorify him through that body which is the Holy Spirit working in us, we're not our own. We are His. We are His sons and daughters, and He loves us dearly. Right now, let's let's really get down to the nitty-gritty. What do we do about this? How do we respond here? I think we're going to talk a little bit about what are the risk factors and what are the warning signs. And so as Kansans, we know this well, right? We know the difference between a tornado watch and a tornado warning A tornado watch means, hey, watch out. That's why they use these words, right? Watch out. There are some factors in play that could cause a tornado. None have been seen yet, but we're watching these factors because it may pop up. A tornado may hit. The tornado warning is, in fact, a warning. A tornado has been spotted. 
get to shelter, and so forth. So we know the difference between watch and warning. Catherine, what are some of these risk factors and some of these warning signs? For risk factors, the most important thing I have to start with is just start talking, start looking. So often we're so into our lives that we don't take a chance to just look around. So before we get too much into all of that, I just want to say the first most important step that you can do is open your eyes and open your ears and really listen, really look and um, to the people in your life, the ones that are close, the ones that aren't close. Just kind of keep your um, ears open. Risk factors. Now, as Dave said, with risk factors, just because you have these doesn't mean you're suicidal, but it means you might be or something might, you know, you have these risk factors and then something else happens and something else happens and because you have those risk factors, you might be more likely. The first one is any type of mental disorder. You struggle with depression, bipolar, anxiety. All of those just make us a little bit more susceptible. And a big part of that is biological. When we have a diagnosed mental disorder, there's chemicals in the body that just are making things a little harder for us. And so it's important if you have those diagnosed that you're talking to your doctor, if you have any suicidal or anything happens, just that make sure that you're getting the help that you need. Another one is a previous attempt. Once we've attempted suicide once, we're more likely to uh, try again and more likely to be successful when we try again. And then family history. So if you are a survivor of suicide if you have a family member or a close friend and that also goes into with the media when when someone famous or someone commits suicide and they get all of this attention it's really important especially for our young they see people um, getting all these Facebook posts everyone's talking about them and they almost look forward to this this attention that they would get and so it's really important that we just keep those eyes open. And then another one is any type of serious medical condition or pain, high stressful life situations, prolonged stress, exposure to another person's suicide, as I said. Those are things that just make us a little more at risk. Stuff that if you know someone in your life who has this, just keep your eyes open. And then what we need to start talking about is the warning signs. The tornado warnings have gone and now we have to do action. So we've gone past just looking and listening and saying, okay, what are they saying? And now we're getting into, you need to do something if you see these things. The first one, and I've gone to multiple trainings on suicide and how to prevent it. And one of the biggest is, if someone says they're commit, thinking about committing suicide or they're going to commit suicide, you need to listen. So often we don't want to believe. We, we kind of shrug it off or make a joke and say, oh yeah, don't you know, you would never do that. And they're kind of giving you this olive branch saying, please help me. And so if someone says, I want to kill myself, I would be better off dead. You need to take those seriously and you need to get them help. If they're looking for ways to kill themselves, if you know someone who's looking and hoarding medicine, if they're... Um, have access to guns or anything like that. You need to be aware of those things and notice what they're doing. If they're feeling hopeless, they have no reason to live, feeling trapped. It's talking a lot about being a burden to someone. Another one is if they're giving stuff away. If oddly they're like, here's my, you know, you take my stereo, you take my car, and just giving stuff. If they have a loss of interest in things. And this is a really big one where people don't have, you know, you used to go to the movies with your 
with your mom every day and now she says, I just, I just don't like watching movies anymore. Or your dad used to like to go hunting with you and now he just has no interest in talking about hunting, being in hunting, anything that where they used to find great joy and now they're really isolating themselves and not finding joy in the things that they used to. Insomnia, um, becoming socially isolated, irritable, showing lots of rage. Each one of these in and of themselves, would I be, some of them, yes. If someone says I'm going to commit suicide, you need to get them help right away. But a lot of these all come together. They're kind of in a package. Or maybe there's two or three and there's just enough where there's this little nudge inside you. And that nudge is the Holy Spirit. God gave us that little nudge. Call it your conscience. I call it the Holy Spirit saying, there's something not right here. You need to get help. You need to ask the question. The next question that comes up is, I notice these things. What do I do? And David, that's probably the hardest question that I get asked the most is, I have a mom, my sister, my friend is showing signs of depression or anxiety. How do I get them help? What do I do? The biggest first thing is what I said at the beginning, kind of tying again, is to talk, to ask, to listen, to say, we used to love to hunt together. Why don't you want to hunt anymore? Is there something going on? How are you feeling? Is to start that conversation. Now, with our time that we have together, we don't have the time to go over each unique situation. We don't have time to give you every warning, and we don't have time to give um, every risk factor and every situation that might come up. But what you need to take from this today is one is there's help. There's websites. Uh, you can go to kansassuicideprevention.org. Again, that's kansassuicideprevention.org. And on that site, they have toolboxes of things that you can download to talk to your kids, to talk to your family members. There are statistics. There's PowerPoints. There's lots of different things um, and resources available. There's your local priest. That's always a good place to start. The American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. And you can go to their website at afsp.org. Again, that's a fsp.org and they have a lot of great information and different resources there's your local doctor there's places to go to gain more information because information truly is power at this point in the episode Catherine is going to mention an article that she wrote and again this was recorded a few years ago so I'm going to make sure that on truemanhood.com this article gets posted so that you can hear and understand these six steps that she's talking about in this article. It's called, It Only Takes One. And the reason I named it that is that it only takes one person to ask. It only takes one person to notice, to talk to someone who's hurting, who needs help, and to say, are you okay? In that article, there is a six-step process to prepare yourself for this conversation. Because most people will say, I don't, I don't know how to talk to someone. I'm scared. What if I say the wrong things? What if they get angry at me? I just, I'm so afraid of upsetting them. And in that article, you'll read about some concrete ways of how to approach someone to tell them, I'm, I'm worried about you. Now, it's not your job to help them. 
that's what professionals are for. As we talked at the first session about doctors, priests, counselors, therapists, they're there to give that support. But we can't be everywhere. We don't see everything. And so if you have a loved one who is struggling, you might be that one. And I can just think of so many scenarios of family members, spouses, colleagues, whatever it may be, when we see this in somebody, I can just see so many circumstances, uh, scenarios playing themselves out where people are afraid to say anything because, well, what if they're not, and then they're going to hate me, or what if I really burn a bridge here, or whatever the scenario is, it is always better to ask than to say, I wish I would have asked. It is always better to lend a helping hand, to show somebody that you care about them, than to say, well, I don't want to offend anybody. I don't want to hurt their feelings if they're not actually you know, considering this. And, and, you know, I just want to talk very briefly about our role in preventing this, not necessarily in the people that we see and interact with, it, whether it's family, friends, neighbors, colleagues, whatever, but just in our lives. You know, the scriptures, they tell us how to live. St. Paul had the analogy of, of utilizing salt and light. Jesus would talk about this. We give flavor to life. We are stigmatized, especially in America, Christians, as being dull and boring. And I am not dull and boring. I don't fit that bill one bit. And I bring saltiness. You know, Dr. Taylor Marshall, he's, a, he's an evangelist and a, and a theologian. He says, he talks about be salty. You know, kind of in, in terms of that commercial that's out there about, uh, you know, the, the most handsome man or whatever that ad campaign is with that beer commercial. Like, live it up. Be, be happy that you're alive, that God loves you, that, you know, life is worth living, that this is good stuff. You know, to be salt and light in this world, we don't have another option. But we never know when we are that in public, when we give a reason, when we give an account for the joy that we have that is within us, as the scripture tells us to be ready to do that, when we do that, we don't know the effect it may have on somebody. We're walking down the street and we have a smile on our face and we acknowledge people. We say, hello, it's good to see you. Or whatever that, you know, whatever that greeting may be, to give a, even a sliver of joy to someone simply by your behavior is a great, great place to start. And so we're talking about this in some specific ways. Those are just some general ways in that we in that in, in that we can do that. And it's it's something that we're just have to do. It's interesting that you say that because in my training they did a survey of different people who had attempted suicide and what had happened and different uh, letters and different things like that. And there was one person who, in his suicide wrote, wrote, if one person says hello to me today, if one person says hello to me, I will not commit suicide. And no one said hello to him. And they found this out through his suicide note. And from that day, from the day I learned that, I have made a personal pact that if you make eye contact with me or not, you're going to get a smile from Catherine. <laughs> you're going to get a hello and have a good day, and I want to make sure that you remember my smile. The great thing is if we live the scripture, it gives us joy too, and you will get so much. I have four kids, and there's days that I don't feel like smiling. There's days when it's hard, 
And I made that commitment. And when I smile at that person at the grocery store and they kind of stop their busy day to smile back, it gives me this joy to say, okay, this is why I do this. And I give joy to them, but they give joy to me. And I think it's a beautiful sentiment that you have, Dave, to get maybe as a personal challenge to be that salt of the earth. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's a smile. Do you want to be the reason that someone said, you know, do you want to be that person's one person today? You know, no missed opportunities here. This is, we got to be on our game all the time. We have to give an account for our joy all the time. Is that a big task? Yeah, certainly it is. But so is dying on the cross. So we have no excuses. I just want to share here too that if you are burdened by someone in your life who you're seeing the watch or the warning, especially the warning, and you don't know where to start, I would suggest doing the same thing. Call the hotline. They can help you. Call the emergency room. They can help you. Even call the the law enforcement. Call 911. If they know that there's a threat to life, they have to respond. So that may just be the thing you do. Also, involve other people around you to go together to someone and say, hey, you know, if it's your child or your your kid's friend and you take your you know your spouse with you, or two of their friends or three of their friends and say, look, we're seeing this in you. We're concerned. It's a team effort and it's not ganging up. It's showing that not only does one of us love you, but all of us love you and we want to offer you help if you need it. And we just can't, we can't say no to those nudgings from the Holy Spirit. We can't say no to those opportunities to, to be the one person. Who, who says something. So each of us could be considering who that is in our lives. There doesn't have to be somebody in our lives, but there may be. And it may not be today. It may be tomorrow or the next day or, or 10 years from now. Be willing to say something, anything, whatever you can to that person to, to show their value. We've talked a lot today about how to be that for someone else. I can't help but sit here and feel and think about it might be you. Maybe you're waiting for that hello. Maybe you're waiting for someone to come. I want you to take my voice and my smile that I'm giving you right now <laughs> and to tell you that you have value. You are good. You are enough. God loves you and God has great plans for you. And if you need this smile that you know you can imagine right now over the radio to be your smile, to get help, to go to see someone and just say, husband, wife, mom, priest, doctor, police officer, someone, I'm sad, I'm hurting, I need help. Because you'll see people will take that leap and will help you and that they're there. So if you are thinking about committing suicide, if you are feeling suicidal, if you're feeling depressed, angry, anxious, any of those feelings, take my heed that there's help. There's people that want to listen. Yeah, and Catherine, I would have to say those sentiments are are the same from me that I'd be more than happy to have a conversation with somebody or or email with somebody or whatever it may be to show them that value. I'll stop my day for them. Uh, There are a lot of different ways you can reach us. Find me at truemanhood.com. My email is dave at truemanhood.com. And I'm I'm more than happy to email with somebody and I can give you my phone number there if if, uh, you need to talk to somebody. I'd be happy to do that with you. And, you know, it's important to look at this and understand the topic of suicide, especially seeing it through a Catholic lens, is it is so common in our world to think about and talk about death. It's everywhere. We are constantly bombarded with it. It's in movies, whether it be 
the killing that takes place in movies or the topics of it uh, also in video games also in music it's just it's it's so prevalent and we so we just fail in talking about the goodness of life that's what this show hopefully is all about whether we're talking about our bodies in a medical sense uh, whether we're talking about natural family planning whether we're talking about marriage whether we're talking about anti-pornography work we're talking about the theology of the body this body that god gave to us that is such a blessing that is so good mine yours and everyone's and we have to just we have to know that that we are good because god made us to be good you know i just thank you for listening to this show it is our hope that if it's you that needs the assistance if it's you that needed to hear today that you are enough that you are worth living then we're so happy that you heard the show. If it's you who needs the help in confronting or talking to someone else that you know that you see the risk factors or warning signs, we're glad you listen. And if it's if it's someone who's not in either of those circles or not, in, not necessarily involved, now you know for that time that you may become involved in that. You've been listening to a Catholic podcast by True Manhood Men's Ministry. Please share our ministry with your friends and family. Find us on social media and visit us online at truemanhood.com. Thank you for joining us. We'll catch you on the next episode.